Welcome to the Green Edge podcast with Michael Cross and me, Fraser Harper. This is our update for a very hot week ending, 8th of September 2023. While we continue to wait for the policy and legislation that should provide the tipping point for mass uptake of alternative ways to heat homes and buildings, we might postulate that a significant majority of people who are fitting heat pumps right now are doing so out of some degree of buy-in to the need for the restoration of a sustainable world. The same could well be true for electric vehicles, though perhaps to a slightly lesser extent because there must be at least some people out there that buy Teslas because they think they're pretty. And among a fair few people we talk to on the Green Edge, the desire to contribute and make a difference is behind their career decisions, even to the point of breaking out from their current jobs, finding some green training somewhere and seeing what happens next. So for someone on the cusp of doing that, what's out there to provide guidance on what you can do and how you might proceed? Well, you could start with one of the great online resources from someone like AIMA, whose Green Careers Hub provides a wealth of information on the new skills you might need, where you can get them, and what you may be able to do afterwards. It even links up to the AIMA Jobs Board, which lists live job openings in environmental management, resource and waste management, and other sustainability-linked areas. On the other hand, if you're prepared to do a bit of dot joining, you might like to look at your aspirational sustainability career in terms of the green apprenticeships you can find at the Institute for Apprenticeships and Technical Education, IFATE. Now, IFATE's new generation of occupational maps, which are currently out on public beta, lists a whole mass of apprenticeships categorized as dark green, mid-green, or even, in a few cases, royal. We can even give you the numbers because the Institute kindly provided us with a list of them. Michael, what did we find? Well, we found a very helpful set of staff at IFATE who provided the data to us, and they have 444 standards currently listed as either mid-green or dark green, and that's out of just past 800. And of those 444, that refers to about 270-plus occupations. The vast majority of those standards are in fact mid-green. There are only 49 dark green ones that refer to 36 occupations. So there's a lot of work being going on. They have covered the territory fairly extensively. And in addition to that, they also have a series of green themes that cut across the maps that allow you to delve into them and see the cross linkages between construction and engineering and manufacturing and the like. So I think they've made huge progress to give those cross-cutting themes really some validation. Digital does not appear in any of this. And we find that a little bit strange, though there are some digital roles within those standards that are classified either as mid-green or dark green. There are a series of geospatial roles, which are fundamentally surveying roles, and they occur in construction. And I think we looked for data analyst, and we couldn't find that even on the digital map, could we? I know, which again, I find a little bit strange. I'm sure it's there. Probably as a job title rather than an occupational title. Now, our post this week is on this subject, and the conclusion we draw is that IFATE could be in a good position, if it so wishes, to show thought leadership around areas like whole house retrofit, if it lifts its eyes from a purely standards-driven lens and examines the higher factors that are shaping the various drivers for green employment. 
But Michael, this is more about competences for sustainability rather than simply apprenticeship standards with green stamps on them, isn't it? It is. One thing certainly IFAC can do, because they've already got this listed, is they apportion every one of their standards to a four-digit SOC code, which allows you to actually then correlate it with employment levels which I think would be very useful. You also then start to look at apprenticeship starts, apprenticeship completions by SOC code, and you can start to look at replacement ratios. And I know we've had discussions with the Electrical Contractors Association around electricians and dependency ratios, replacement ratios and the like. And it'd be interesting to see IFATE do that across all apprenticeships, because if you look through the hierarchy of apprenticeships, which are the most popular, you've got to come down to engineering and manufacturing, which is third on the list, only gets 16% of apprenticeship starts. They are behind business and admin, health and public services. Well, that's the post. And a reminder that you can find it with some kind of obscure reference to finding one's way from the middle out on greenedge.substack.com. And you can also find this podcast on all the major streaming platforms, green or otherwise, including Apple, Google and Amazon. Now, sticking with the subject of apprenticeships, we were reminded this week of a report published last year by the Gatsby Foundation, which compared the occupational coverage of apprenticeships in England, the Netherlands, Switzerland, Germany and Denmark, and found, among other things, that England is a bit of an outlier, with significant numbers of apprenticeships in managerial and professional occupations, whereas the other countries have a much greater focus on technical and skilled trade roles. Now, one of the key drivers for the current English apprenticeship system was Doug Richard's independent review of apprenticeships in 2012, which recommended that apprenticeships should be linked to single occupations and tested through a final assessment, rather than through a group of sector-focused qualifications, all of which, Michael, as you were saying earlier, helps the Office for National Statistics. But is it the best thing in general? Possibly not. I think we should take a little step back here. Apprenticeship numbers were running at around half a million new starts a year from about 2010, and they stayed at that level for seven years. Then in May 2017, the apprenticeship levy was introduced. And we notice a big jolt to the apprenticeship start numbers, and they dropped to 320,000. And the next big jolt was COVID, which dropped them yet again. And we're yet to see a proper recovery. But within that adjustment, we have seen a dramatic change in the profile of the apprenticeships. We have three levels of apprenticeships in England. We have intermediate, advanced, and higher what we have seen is a dramatic growth in the level of higher apprenticeships. If you go back to 2010, there were virtually no higher apprenticeships, and they poddled along for a number of years until you reach May 2017, and we start seeing some growth. They now represent about 80-odd thousand starts a year in the higher apprenticeships, and they tend to be all at level four and above. That's level four to level seven. Is this a good or a bad thing? One could argue this is more a financial manipulation of apprenticeship levy cash, where people are keeping the funds to do retraining and extending people's training rather than actually training apprentices. Because if you look at apprentices and 
I'm using a traditional pair of eyes on this. In most economies, you have somewhere between 800 to 1,000 distinct occupations. And I'm leaving aside the SOC codings of the UK here. Of round 250 to 300 would normally be covered by an apprenticeship. We have something like 800 plus apprenticeship standards, which seems excessive. So we have a large number of standards. We also have a large number of people who are above the age of 24, 25 starting apprenticeships. And that is a huge comparison to our European counterparts that have lesser apprenticeships on offer. And also they tend to be geared to 16 to 18 year olds. So they have much younger people going into them than we would do. And there was an interesting comment in the Richard report. I'm doing this from memory. It was something like, not everything is an apprenticeship. And yet it seems that everything is an apprenticeship these days. Yes. If you go back in time, what is now termed a level two qualification, i.e. that's equivalent to five GCSE, is the intermediate apprenticeship. In the days when I was at uh, Shell and ICI, that would not be deemed an apprenticeship. There were always level three and above. Level mm. three is at minimum of two lay levels in education qualification speak. I think we would class ourselves as apprentice journalists, wouldn't we, Michael? Yes, I think we've moved past level two. We might be hitting level three. <laughs> only just, only just. Well, anyway, the comment we read from Gatsby in the wake of their report was that 10 years on from the Richard Review, perhaps there would be value in exploring whether apprenticeships are the best mechanism in England for fulfilling all the different types of training needs we see them being applied to right now. So we'll see where that goes. Now, another interesting comparison we found recently is between Australia and England. Now, Australia publishes a regular apprenticeship priority list, which identifies something like, at the last count, 80 technician and community occupations classified by Australia's version of our ONS and assessed by its skills commissioner as being in national skills shortage. And we found it interesting that the current list contains occupations like electrical line workers, who the Green Jobs Task Force identified as being in chronic short supply also over here. And also upholsterers, who we've talked about recently as being an occupation important to the circular economy. Now compare this with the English system, and we haven't found any similar lists that says which of IFAIT's apprenticeships might be classed as priority in that sense. But we can find lists of which apprenticeships are most popular. And Michael, you referred to this earlier on. And here we find that business administration apprenticeships are top of the list. So plenty of administrators, Michael, but perhaps not enough doers. It is. And you just wonder, could you weight the funding in some way? Because again, if I go back in time, if you go back to the boosting the numbers when we got to half a million new starts a year, we had Train to Gain, which added 50,000 new apprenticeship starts a year. We then had Plan for Growth, which added another 50,000 new apprenticeships. You just wonder, is there going to be a priority in a boosting there? And finally, regular listeners to our podcast may remember that in last week's episode, we played a clip taken from South African TV featuring the CEO of a Finnish company called Block Solutions, which licenses a system for quick fabrication and assembly of buildings like classrooms using a kind of industrial-sized Lego. Now, the episode went out before the news broke of the Department for Education's current concrete situation, and we also noted a piece the other day in The Guardian about this event creating a potential boom for the prefab boys. So, putting two and two together, we sent Block Solutions an email to let them know they might want to talk to someone in Great Smith Street, SW1. Mm-hmm. 
Did we hear someone say Kitos? You're welcome. Thank you for listening to this Green Edge podcast. This podcast series accompanies the Green Edge newsletter, to which you can subscribe at greenedge.substack.com. The Green Edge is produced by Blue Mirror Insights. 